This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the August 23rd edition of Invest Talk. I don't know how you feel, but to me, the week is going by pretty fast. It's already Thursday. And Labor Day, Labor Day is not that far away. But for today, there's plenty of financial news we can talk about. And as we do, remember, the main objective of this program is to inform and educate our listeners. So they, so you, can become above-average investors. It's your money. You work hard for it. Your family is counting on you to build it and provide a better and more comfortable financial future. And you know what? That is possible. You can achieve what we call financial freedom. But it takes time, persistence, and strategies, and correct strategies. And I'll help you with that goal. I will. I'll help you with it today and every day on this show. And your calls will stimulate the discussion. So please call. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining us here. And if you can find a minute or two or two to subscribe to our Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, it would help me and us raise the visibility of our program, and I would definitely appreciate that. You can subscribe, rate, and review the program. Now, for today's program, for what I call the top of the show story, I have found a topic that affects or will affect almost everyone. That is to say, everyone who gets married or lives with a domestic partner. There are financial obligations, financial benefits to be realized. So today, I'll look at marriage versus common law arrangements. That's coming up in a few minutes. But first, let's go ahead and make you a part of the show. Here, here's a question that, call, that came in earlier on our Anytime Listener Line number, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Chris in Indianapolis. I have a question for you involving low volatility ETFs. I'm 46, I've generally been aggressive in my retirement portfolio, but like you guys, I think we're probably looking at a correction ahead and think it's time to shift to more value funds. I know you've mentioned we're over-indexed these days, so my thought was perhaps take a portion of the portfolio that was in index funds and shift to a low volatility ETF. I'm looking at USMV. But my question for you is more about whether this strategy makes sense to help minimize risk while still having some exposure to equities. I'll be listening on the podcast. Okay. Uh, yeah, if you go to a low volatility, this, this, this is a iShares ETF. Um, it exchange traded fund sinking performance corresponding to the U.S. Minimum Volatility Index. So USMV is a symbol. So what it does it's look, it looks to put stocks in its portfolio that have less volatility than the S&P 500. So what does that mean when the market goes down or up? Well, what you want to look at is the beta. Its relationship to the S&P 500 is the beta. And the beta score is 0.75 of this fund. So if the market goes up, this will go up 75% of what the market goes up. If the market goes down, this will go down 75% of what the market goes down. So it will go down less and up less than the overall market. So it's more of a slightly defensive play because it's less volatile 
than the S&P 500. That's what the beta is trying to tell us. So, yeah, what this means is you would be still in the market, but with positions that would go down or up less than the overall market. And therefore, you know, don't expect it to track the, the S&P 500 either way, up or down. And therefore, if you feel the market's going to go down, is a slightly, slightly defensive position. It's, I say slightly because that's what the beta is telling me. It's going to be less, it will go down less. But, you know, remember, these things look backward. <laughs> you know, so what if you have a bunch of stocks in there that don't, that are more erratic than they were in the past? You never can rely on it 100%. Good question. Okay, love and marriage or love and domestic partnerships. Let's talk about the financial implications of that. And by the way, I found a story, uh, a story information on Investopedia.com, you know, one of my favorite websites. There are many financial benefits that pertain to married and common law couples. However, before you assume that you and your partner will reap these benefits, you should know what constitutes common law marriage. Now, common law marriage exists when a state recognizes a couple as legally married, even though they never had a civil or religious service and never received a marriage license. And there's only 10 states in the District of Columbia that recognize common law relationships, only 10. And each of those states have specific requirements that must be met. And for the record, California, where I am, is not a common law state, while Pennsylvania is a grandfathered common law state. California is not a common law state. And since this investor program is heard nationally, I'll explain some of the financial benefits and pitfalls. If you are recognized as a married couple by common law in your state, you can enjoy many of the same benefits as legally married couples, such as becoming eligible for the social security, survivors and spousal benefits, being able to qualify for employer benefits through your spouse, i.e. health care, being exempt from the gift tax law, having unlimited marriage exemptions for estate up to the federal tax, estate tax law. Now, one thing you've got to think, these are, all these benefits can help you save money, all of them, okay? You know, uh, in most days you need to hold yourself to be married, by the way. In a, in a common law state, which is essentially acting as if you are married. And a key point, while the majority of U.S. states don't recognize common law marriages, all states will recognize a common law marriage that a couple legally entered to in another state. So of the 10 states, if you are a common law, uh, you are a common law, uh, you're married legally uh, under the common law of that state, of those 10 states, all the other states will recognize that. Isn't that interesting? Now, don't assume that being a long-time exclusive live-in relationship means you have a common-law marriage. Don't assume that. Remember, while you while you get to enjoy the financial legal benefits of marriage, in most cases, you may also be left vulnerable to some of the potential downsides. For instance, there is no common-law divorce. Who gets what? So, like everything in life. At some point, it all comes down to financial planning. Justin and I can help you with that, but you've got to start by reaching out to us through investtalk.com or by calling our Dana Point office in, uh, in California, KPP Financial. 
And uh, hope that gives you some insight, by the way. Our phone lines are now open. Please call 888-99-CHART. And today's featured talking point story concerns this. In a crowded $50 billion file sharing market, Dropbox is facing off against Microsoft, Apple, Google. But Dropbox has a competitive advantage. We're going to look into that today. That's one of the things I want to talk about. Other things we're going to discuss. Why, why a rising Trump impeachment threat isn't rallying the stock market? Everybody's so worried about what's going on with Trump and all those things, and everybody's talking about or a lot of people are talking about impeachment. Why is the stock market worried about it? Let's go over why. And why is, I got four reasons why you might start to consider buying emerging markets. Emerging markets. Might be a good time to do that. Also, 15 U.S. companies that are investing the most in R&D, research and development. What company by far invests more in research and development than any other company? There's one. And uh, I'm going to get, there's, the, uh, there's a list of them. And it's kind of interesting to read the list. It tells you what types of companies are investing in R&D and the money they're putting in there. The market was down today. The Dow was down 77, the Nasdaq down 11, and the S&P down 5. It was kind of mixed and up a little bit during the day and finally just gave up at the end of the day. And I'm wondering if we're all waiting to hear what happened in Jackson Hole, you know, their meetings with all the, the uh, big economic powers in the world and what are they going to say? I don't know. Powell's supposed to have a speech tomorrow. So what is he going to say? Who knows? But I don't know. I, the market just is you know, struggling at, at or near the top. Remember, we had the market was moved up in January, but then really took a dive about 10% in February. And for now, what, six months later, we still haven't su succeeded in breaking through that top again. Six months. But we're right near the top now. But will it break? It's having a trouble all this week. It's having trouble doing that. I want to take a second to thank our Northern California listeners, some on podcasts, many on AM 1220 KDOW. I will be meeting in person with several of them in San Jose for portfolio review appointments. There are no more spaces available for this August 29th date, but Justin and I can still schedule a Skype consultation or an introductory phone call with you. And I will be setting up another date in the San Jose Barry area. You, <coughs> excuse me, you can reach out through investtalk.com. Phone lines are open now, 888-99-CHART. Thanks for listening to Invest Talk. August will soon be in our rearview mirror. And the Labor Day holiday is almost here. Question, have you subscribed to the InvestTalk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play? Please do. Then listen, rate, and review. This helps us improve our InvestTalk programming. And now, Steve is here, and he's taking your calls. 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's go to Robert in Pleasanton. I want to talk about my hated stock, L Brands, since we own it. How are you doing, Robert? I'm doing all right, Steve. How about yourself? 
Ah, uh, well, I'd do better if I didn't have L brands in my portfolio. <laughs> I'm kind of feeling the same way. I uh, actually bought this stock back in April, uh, really as a result of listening to the show and hearing Justin talk about it. Um, I'm now down about 20%, and um, I'm just wondering what you think about this going forward. I mean, it just seems like a lot of these re these retailers are just getting hammered and it doesn't really look like there's much light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm wondering if you think it's wise to hang in or buy more or just, you know, give it up. And nah, I wouldn't buy, buy more. Nah, I wouldn't buy more. Not all retailers. Uh, Walmart and Target I talked about yesterday, no, they're doing really well. Uh, but these, you're right, a lot of them are suffering. L Brands, everybody, simple as LB, operates 3,000 franchises, 813 specialty retail stores in U.S., Canada, and UK, and they downgraded for the second time their earnings projection. They did it before in early July, and of course the stock took a dive. And it looked like it hit a bottom, and today they revised their earnings projection down again, and it broke all support. So, Robert, I'm probably going to look for a place to get out, to be honest. Uh, even though the numbers look good still, and the dividend looks solid, and all those wonderful things... I just don't like the continued bad news that we're getting from them. You know, they can, they just continue. Can it move up from here? I think we're going to get a bounce, but I might use that bounce. I'm not, I haven't made up my mind, Robert, Justin and I and a couple other guys in the office are talking about what we need to do. But my gut feeling is maybe move to move, move some of that money and find something else. Take the loss and maybe use that capital loss to offset capital gains for this year. And just move away. I haven't decided that, but I'm leaning toward that. Okay? Appreciate the call, Robert. Thank you. LB, L Brands, everybody. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and you may have noticed that we get plenty of specific stock questions on the program every day. And that's great. That's fine. But I can also help promote the understanding of various investing definitions and explain market processes. So get your questions in today. All types of questions, as long as they're financial, are welcome. 888 99Chart. If there is ever a moment when you question how well your portfolio is doing, or maybe how well it should be doing, it might be smart to make time to look into the various investment strategy programs available to clients of KPP Financial. It's easy. Just click on the investment programs link at investtalk.com. And now we're taking your financial and investment questions live. 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's talk to Mark and Milipedis. How you doing, Mark? Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, I was wondering if you can Thank come you. and give me two or three stocks that is high-paying dividend and uh, something that it can still be around for the next 10 or 15 years, and if the price of the stock goes up, marry you. But if it doesn't, just stay steady and pays you good dividend. Do you, can you suggest anything? No, I cannot. Uh, I, uh, the SEC will not let me uh, offer stocks over the air because they have a rule called I must know my client. So I can I can answer questions about a stock, but I can't give out like a list of stocks over the oh, airways. Okay, okay. Um, all right, all right. 
Yeah, yeah I was thinking uh, that's about no problem. Because I saw, who's this guy, Mark Cuban on TV. He said all he's holding is three dividend paying stocks, and that's all he needs. That's what right. But he wouldn't tell anybody. That, that's probably, the stocks he there's owns. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Mark, Mark, there's nothing wrong with that philosophy. There really isn't. Um, but it's not hard to find them. And if you send me an email, I'll send you, you know, some dividend paying stocks that I like. Um, okay. But I can't do it over the I'll open that. airways. That's okay. Um, that. And you. Luis, thank you. Now you're going to say people are going to say, "Well, you know, so so does it on TV, or so so does it on the." If you don't manage other people's money, yeah, you can, you can, you're, you're, you have freedom of speech. But if you manage other people's money, then you're under the SEC rules, Securities Exchange Commission rules. And that rule they have is you're supposed to know your client before you make recommendations. And they feel that making recommendations over the airways means that I don't know my client because I'm just spewing it out over the airways. And that's why I can't do it. Now, from time to time, I, I get an interesting email question, okay? And here's one that asked about the almost the same kind of thing, but asked about dividends anyways. I have a question for your podcast. Would it be better to build up my dividend portion of my portfolio in my Roth IRA or my work 457 plan? Now, he, he, has, he follows this up with a statement which makes me answer one way over another. I would like to withdraw the dividends in retirement without taxes as a revenue stream. And the only way you can do that is in a Roth type of account, or either a Roth IRA, a Roth 401k, a Roth 457. So you have a Roth IRA, so you're going to, you want to have the dividends we put in there, so you add the stocks in the Roth IRA, because when you pull that money out, you don't have to pay taxes on any of it. And a 457, a regular 457, or a regular IRA, a regular 401k, all the money you pull out in retirement is added to your adjusted gross income, and you have to pay taxes on it, but not in a Roth. Okay? So that's the answer. You do it in your Roth. Let's go to James in Virginia. He wants to talk about investing in the market. How are you doing, James? Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. really appreciate the show. Yeah, I'm interested in uh, GlaxoSmithKline. I own it. I've had it for a little over a year, bought it uh, for a dividend and maybe long-term growth, but I've been uh, kind of reevaluating my portfolio, and I'd like to get out of it. I'm looking at if that's a good idea, and uh, if so, what should be a target price? When might I do that? Is that GSK is the symbol? Correct. Yeah, Golf Sierra Kilo. Yep, GSK. Okay. GSK. Let's take a look. Okay, let's take a look at that stock. And so you're looking at, you want to get out. You've owned it for a while. Have you made a profit? Yeah, I'm up a little bit, uh, high single digits. Um, but I was, uh, again, I think uh, just reevaluating, looking at things, might want to move that position to cash. Um, but uh, okay. if, that's a, if that looks like a bad idea, then I might rethink about it. But uh, I, that's kind of where I, where I decided after kind of evaluating things. Like, might have, okay. might be nice to have well, that uh money okay okay well let me tell you this it's right at a triple top and it's having trouble at this triple top to get above it it's having trouble it's had a good year but it's having trouble getting above that triple top and that triple top is right around forty dollars forty one dollars and fifty cents forty one dollars and seventy cents somewhere around in there 
And right now it's trading at $41.16, down a percent today. Uh, what I would do if you're looking to get out, I probably would like a signal, maybe the 20-day moving average, which is kind of tight. If it breaks below that, then just get out. Because what if it breaks above okay. and continues to run? And that 20-day that moving average is right, $40.50. Okay, so if it breaks okay. below that, I just that's a tight stop, and there's a signal for you to get out. And if the stock keeps moving up, that 20-day moving average will move up slower, but it will move up. So i probably use that as a get out and try okay. to stay with it because it is a good company, a good solid company. And it's not too expensive either. It really isn't. So... Okay. So I would just use that as a signal, okay? Appreciate it, James. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks so much. No problem. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, Walmart executives are bullish on their competitive outlook, and shares of other retailers have been lifted too. There are there's some retailers are doing well. That's story tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Our podcast continues on next. It may be hard to believe, but the average 401k investor misses out on over $5,000 per year in investment gains. How come? Poor timing and subpar fund choices. That's the big challenge that is being met now with active 401k. The typical 401k plan has limited choices. People don't know what to do, and that's exactly why active 401k was devised. It may be just what you've needed. It ranks your current options within your current employer's plan, and then all you do is log in and make the changes. You'll be told exactly what to buy, what percentages, and what funds. This program is offered by invitation to KPP clients and limited number of our listeners, too. And if you'd like to see more about it, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Investments tab and then look for Active 401k. Now let's get back to our podcast. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. Invest Talk is streamed live and broadcast live each weekday in the 4 o'clock hour Pacific Time, 6 Central and 7 Eastern. It's also available 24 7 via archived podcast at investtalk.com. Would you like to speak with Steve now? He's here, and the lines are open, 888-99-CHART. And we're going to go to our favorite person in Menlo Park. How are you doing, Art? Good, Steve. How are you today? Good. I thank you for the call. Yeah, Steve, I just wanted to find out uh, what you normally do when you have, like, uh, stocks running up, uh, like, over 20 to 30%, and... Uh, Nothing really has changed, but the fact that it seems like the market is, like, uh, starting to, um, I guess, get copied. So would you look to sell, or would you hold on, even though you think that uh, it might be choppy down the road? Well, I, I generally have a long-term outlook as far as holding on to stocks. I want to hold them for long periods, and there's certain core stocks I'm just going to hold no matter what. But there are stocks that I would trade, and if I have gains in them and I think they're getting toppy, in other words, the chart is starting to tell me that they're starting to roll over or that they're way overpriced or something's changing about them and I want to take the price, I do consider the capital gains tax 
Am I in a, uh, am in a, am in a, 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 a type of account that's not taxed, like an IRA? You know, I don't have to worry about the capital gains, or am I in a taxable account? And I have to worry about it. Then I look to the other parts of my portfolio, Art, if it's a taxable account, and look for any capital losses that I might be able to offset the gain. And remember, did I have the stock over a year? Because that's a long-term gain versus a under a year, which is short-term gain. And short-term gains are taxed at ordinary income tax levels of, of the holder of that account. And long-term is 20%. So I, there's a lot of things to think about, Art. But I don't want to build up a lot of capital gains to pay all the huge taxes that goes with it by the end of the year. Sometimes you can't avoid it. You can't help it. You have to pay the taxes. But yeah, you do give it a consideration. Uh, yeah, I was just asking because it uh, seems like quite a few of mine are in my uh, taxable account. And I don't have that <sighs> many short-term uh, capital losses to offset. That's, that's uh, one of the things that I you know, wanted to So then try out. to... Uh, well, at least try to hold on to them into next year because you can postpone the taxes at least until then. But, yeah. you know, if you feel that it's, you know, they're not, they're just looking like they're about ready to roll down and the earnings are starting to slow down or sales or something wrong, then you, you might want to take that gain and just bite the bullet. Thanks, Art. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Let's go to Benson in San Jose. How you doing, Benson? I'm good. How you doing, Steve? Uh, CG. I'm good. Thank you for the call. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, you want to buy it? Sell it? Yeah, I want to buy it. I want to buy it. Okay, this is, is this Canopy uh, Growth Corp. Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I, I'm just hoping it's not too late because it already ran up to uh, about 40-something right now. The 52-week yeah, range. $41.50. Yeah. yeah. Let's take a look at and it. It's Canopy Growth Corporation. It's out of uh, Smith Falls, Canada. Uh, Canadian-based company manufacturing sells marijuana for the medical and recreational cannabis consumers. Okay. So it's a, one of the marijuana stocks. This one is actually yes. going to make money in 2020. It's scheduled to make 21 cents a share. It's lost money every year since then, so far. Yes. Is I think it's too late. It's, it's a $41 stock going to make 21 cents a share. So oh. that... Um, that's not, big, that means it's really expensive. Here's the kicker. October of this year, uh -huh. Canada's going to legalize marijuana. Yep, I know. That's, what I'm that's why it's $41.52. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. Uh, yeah, it probably is too late. I mean, if it, a year ago, it was selling for like $7. Yeah. Now it's $41.52. Yeah. So I, I think you're too late to the game. On this one, okay. Wait for a pullback. Maybe maybe I get a good pullback. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm not big on those stocks, but Canada is legalizing. The federal government in Canada is legalizing marijuana, so yeah, there's going to be sales. There's going to be a good, you know, there's going to be profits. There's going to be winners and losers in this sector. Anyways, CGC was the symbol, everybody. Okay, our main talking point is about Dropbox. What is Dropbox Competitive Edge? Now, do you know what Dropbox is? The file sharing, it's, it's sharing files, okay? Uh, Apple does it. 
uh, Google does it, Microsoft does it, and Dropbox is a standalone company, and that's the, the they do it too, and they have thirty something percent of the market. Apple, Google, Microsoft—it's part of their software. You don't have to pay extra, but Dropbox you do if you want to use their service, and yet they have thirty something percent of the market. So what is it about Dropbox that is so compelling that people will pay it when they can get it the same kind of service for free? First of all, it was the first company to offer this service. You know, uh, dropping files in a box where other people, uh, dropping documents where other people can look at it, dropping all the, uh, they were the first to the marketplace. So that gave them that edge. And their platform, you know, their their Dropbox platform is very easy to use. And that is really the competitive edge they have. The technology of the, of the, and the apps that they produce, the, the ease of use has made it very, very um, um, desirable. Now, I will say this. As an investment, I'd worry about it because of the standalone option and you know that Google, Apple, and Microsoft are going to make their systems easier and easier and easier. So I'm not sure if it's a great investment for you or me because of the one-trick pony kind of thing. And this is the same problem I had with, uh, with uh, GoPro, with their cameras, uh, thinking that, you know, that was it, how, you know, can, they have to have, maintain that competitive edge, and that's kind of difficult when you have so many other much bigger companies that can come into that industry. It's a tough thing to do to keep your competitive edge, and Dropbox is doing it. I'm not trying to take it away from them. They are doing it, but I would be concerned about. I'd be concerned with about an investment. I would. 888-99 chart as most of you know we are happy to take your financial investing questions live each weekday on invest talk during the radio program and we're live monday through friday four to five pacific time but we also accept your questions around the clock 24 hours a day seven days a week on the same number 888-99 chart so don't be afraid to call after hours and when you call by all means submit your stock questions I also encourage you to put forth any questions about processes, techniques, charting, historical kind of questions, you know, anything like that. Anything to do with financial, we'll be, we'll be happy to talk about. So we want to make the program a valuable learning experience for everybody, all the listeners, everybody. And now I'm here taking your questions at 888-99-CHART. Steve Peasley's August 29th Portfolio Review Appointments Calendar for San Jose is now filled. So thank you, InvestTalk listeners. However, if you're not able to meet with Steve in San Jose and you are serious about improving the efficiency, security, and performance of your portfolio, you are welcome to contact Steve or Justin at their Dana Point, California office. And of course, you can always get a message to them through the Contact Us page at investtalk.com. InvestTalk Radio continues now, and remember that you can invite your friends to listen live weekdays in the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time or whenever they like from the podcast page at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Steve's here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 
Hi, my name is Jacoby Attacco. I'm calling from uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. You know, I'm kind of a younger investor. I've been investing for about five, ten years. My question really is regarding trying to decide on which uh, long-term investments to go with. One of the things that I continually hear is that it's hard to really find a lot of alpha, you know, something that beats the stock market from, and consistently. Um, so my question really is, you know, why not just choose an, e- an ETF like, you know, SPY or IVV that's, you know, broad index ETF. Uh, stick with that and continually dollar cost average into that as opposed to trying to find, um, you know, a stock here uh, or a stock here, you know, and diversifying within a mutual fund or just individual stocks. So um, appreciate it. Any answer would help. I appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. There's absolutely nothing wrong with indexing. And that's what you're suggesting. There's nothing wrong with indexing. Um um, long term, it will work. It will work. You'll go up and down with the market. It doesn't, you know, if it's, if it's your comfort level to stay just with the market over a long period of time and you're not worried about income, you're not worried about being defensive, you're not worried about, uh, you know, any of those things that you people do worry about, then, yeah, you can index. You can dollar cost average index. I have no... Uh, argument with that kind of philosophy. It's when you you know may, may, it's when you don't have the risk tolerance for the market that you may want to change your 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 type of strategy. Remember, dollar cost averaging into index is a strategy, but maybe that's a strategy you're not comfortable with, or maybe you're getting you're young. You could be comfortable with a lot more risk. You know, so maybe you should index into a a higher um, beta. Uh, index meaning more more volatile than the S&P 500. So you could do that too, and you can use. You know, there are indexes that are more volatile. And index, we just talked about one earlier in the show about an, an index that is less volatile than the market. So the S&P 500 being the market that we're talking about. So yeah, you, you know, even when you're indexed, you you get to decide what kind of indexing you want to do. But so the answer is yes. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, let's talk about uh, companies that are spending tons of money in R&D. Why is that important to you as an investor? Because research and development, R&D, translate into future growth in the company. If companies don't spend any money on R&D, that usually means that they're content with where they are in the marketplace and they're not really too concerned about future growth. But where does R who are the big spenders? Where's that money come from that, you know, that puts, what, what companies put money into R&D dramatically? I mean, what are the big guys? And the number one by far is Amazon. They spent $14 billion in the last two quarters. $14 billion. Google's number two at 10. Microsoft is number three at seven. Apple's number four at seven. Okay. So those are the top. Notice Intel is after that at six point three six and a quarter billion, three quarters billion, and those are the top spenders. Notice all of them are tech companies. Then you get into Merck, Johnson Johnson, Facebook, Bristol Myers, Pfizer, Celgene. Notice the, those next tier are all. That's like from four to six billion. A lot of medical companies, right? Well, they would, wouldn't they? Drug companies, right? They would. Uh, then Cisco, Oracle, Qualcomm, and IBM. 
IBM top out the last 15. Those are all tech companies. So it's tech and drug companies, basically, who spends the money on R&D. And what's interesting about every one of these 15, they almost all of them increased strongly their R&D spending. Almost all of them. Like 12 of the 15. So why is it important? Again, it's important because that goes to future growth of the company's revenue. Coming up with new ways, new new ideas, new new uh, products, you know, and you know that's true. Think about it. So that's why it's important. So there is a philosophy out there: just invest in those companies that spend the most money on research and development, because eventually you'll get rewarded with new products, and they'll get rewarded with a higher stock price eventually. There is a strategy out that's out there like that. Okay, let's grab another question from our recorded reservoir that came in earlier. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. Thanks for taking my call. I was calling about Exelon, E-X-C. As an employee, I receive a 10% discount on this stock. Just wanted to get your opinion on what you think about it. The reason I asked today is because of their high earnings report from Wednesday night. It's about 10% of my portfolio. Should I sell since it's at the upper part of a support range or keep it and collect Three percent dividend. Just looking forward to your thoughts. Thanks. Well, I said ten percent. That's getting kind of pricey. I mean, getting kind of heavy in your portfolio. But so let's look at the fundamentals. See how it can go higher. Engage in generation distribution of electricity. Okay, so it's a, a, a eight point eight million customers in Pennsylvania, Maryland, Illinois. Three point one percent dividend. They have a great cash flow. They're going to make $3.10 next year, but they're making $3.11 this year too. So it's about the same for the next couple of years, but it is 20% higher than it was. Sales growth is in the single digits. Okay. So my feeling is, yeah, you probably would like to cut back at this point, but you might want to use like the 20-day moving average, like I suggested earlier, as a get out. And for this stock, the stock is at $43.90 and that, that get out part or a part to cut back, not get out completely. The 20 day moving average is sitting at 42.23. And remember, that will go up as the price stays above the 20 day moving average. So if the price keeps moving up, you keep staying with the stock. And, you, know, you try to lock in as best you can. Remember, don't sell that much. It's a good company, it pays a 3% dividend. Nothing wrong with holding on to it. Our Thursday Investor program is almost finished, and by the way, it will soon be uploaded to our podcast collection at investtalk.com. But for now, we're still we still got ten minutes, so let's talk about financial investing questions. Let's talk about it. On the next Invest Talk, Walmart executives are bullish on their competitive outlook. And shares of other retailers have been lifted, too. That's tomorrow. But now, Steve is here. He's ready with answers. And he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay. Is it time to buy emerging markets? I think it is. I think it's probably a good time to look at them anyways. And you can look at it through an ETF, emerging, oh, the whole emerging market uh, spectrum. And I think that you know, there is an ETF that is, is, is uh, 
There are probably several of them. I just know one off the top of my head. But I think you should look at it. Remember, don't, you know, Turkey, I mean, uh, is it, yeah, Turkey is not just, you know, it's just one emerging market that's struggling. And Venezuela is one emerging market. I mentioned those two because that's not a place you want to be, either one of those. But emerging markets overall have some, uh, have some, I don't know, I think they'll, they've already made, had a big pull down this year. I think that they might be ready to move up. Looks like they are starting to do so. And why should you think about emerging markets? One is because the dollar will weaken. If the dollar weakens, it'll help greatly in emerging markets. The dollar has been strengthening all year pretty much. But I think we're going to see the dollar weaken. Remember, we have huge debt that no one's paying attention to. Um, also, I think the global economy is going to be fine. Yes, it had it, it slowed down this year, and everybody's worried that it slowed down. But the U.S. economy is doing great. We're going to be, you know, we're one of the big engines of the world. So I think that they could, you know, our economy could pull them up, especially if we get some, you know, some progress on the trade talks. I think that's a, poss a strong possibility. And also, merchant markets are cheap. They are cheap. So, you know, if you want to buy some value, there's value in emerging markets. Now, you're going to have to pick your pick your spot, right? You're not going to just go everywhere. But so pick your spot. But I just, you know, as a as a as a strategy or a a place to go, I think that that might be a place to go. For you know, as we've seen a lot of damage done there in the last year or so, I think the damage is done. Okay, I think we've got time to squeeze in one more question. The caller left this on our 88899 chart number. Hi, Steve. Uh, this is Harry from Long Beach. Uh, I recently became a KPP client and I wanted to gain your insight on WH Wyndham Hotels and Resorts. And I think this is a, a new IPO, but obviously not a new company. However, uh, they will look at substantial growth the next year. They recently acquired La Quinta. Uh, they have a net income of $21 million for second quarter 2018 and an adjusted net income 43% from second quarter last year. My plan on the stock would be to buy and hold. Uh, I look forward to your insight, and I'll listen to the answer on the podcast. Thank you again. Usually, I don't recommend buying IPOs within six months of the IPO date because insiders get to sell their shares after six months. They're required to hold them for at least six months, and then they have to sell. And this IPO came out in, what was it, May? Late May? So you're only, what, three months into it? And the stock price is going down. Now, so Wyndham Hotels and Resorts is a big company, $5.4 billion. And they make money. They've always made money. They're, and they're growing earnings by 46% this year, another 20% next year. They're going to make $3.42 next year. That's the estimate. And it's a $54, $55 stock. Okay, so that tells you that it's, you know, 15 PE, 16. That's pretty reasonable for a stock growing its earnings that much. And sales popped up in the most recent quarter by 30%. Before that, sales were more reasonable growth rate between 4 and 8%, but they've popped up. It's got some really good fundamentals. Turn equity is 19%. That's very strong, strong cash flow. Pays a 1.8% dividend. Uh, management owns 2%. I, I 
I think it's a. I think you want to wait for the stock to stop falling because it's falling right now. It got as high as sixty-six dollars a share. Now it's down to fifty-four ninety-four today, and down today. So wait till it stops falling before you consider it. I would love for you to wait for six months, but you know if you really feel that it, uh, you know, wait for it to go sideways. Whatever time period that is. If it's like two weeks from now, it's been going sideways for two weeks, maybe put on half a position. Because usually after six months, it will sell below its IPO price. That's normal for IPOs, believe it or not. That completes another InvestTalk program, everybody. Made better again by your questions. Remember, if you want to replay any or all of today's program, you can do so on demand from the podcast page at InvestTalk.com. Thanks for listening. And please come back tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley, and good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.